Hello and welcome to Slate's Game of Thrones TV Club about Season 8, Episode 2, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms, another highly secret piece of information released only at the very last minute. That title, obviously, key to so much understanding of the show. I am June Thomas and I am here today. I just, before I introduce my co-chatters, I have to notice that the America's preeminent Game of Thrones critic, Senator Elizabeth Warren, was unfortunately unable to join us this week. But I have two people who are neither old, miserable, nor shits to talk about the episode with me here in the Brooklyn studio. Longtime Slate contributor, host of the Secret History of the Future podcast and so many other podcasts, Mr. Seth Stevenson, chief maritime critic. Uh, how are you today? I'm well, June. Good, glad to hear it. How are you doing? I'm good. This is not Downton Abbey, is it? I, I wish it were sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and also here with me and Seth is senior worst person in Westeros correspondent at Slate, Rachel Hampton. Hey, Rachel. Hi, June. Hello. Thank you for joining us. So this was an episode, you know, before we get into it, like there was a lot of moaning and groaning on the Slate Game of Thrones channel about this episode. Were you a moaner and groaner or an appreciator, Rachel? Um, I was a moaning and groaning this episode. I was kind of bored the entire time. Whoa. Yeah, it was just, I feel like I was trying to go back to the beginning with all the conversations, like the column politicking, but there's the Night King's coming. Yeah. And I'm like, I just want to see who's going to die at this point. Yeah. Well, I think the answer is everybody. Uh, which actually <laughs> it always is in every situation. Like, we all die. But uh, I suppose that's not really We don't all die in Winterfell. Yeah. <laughs> not in the same episode. That's true. Um, what about you, Seth? Uh, I liked this episode. I uh-huh. enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It pressed a lot of the getting the gang together buttons that I wanted them to press but I felt like they could have it could have been the first episode yeah, <laughs> like they sort of yeah. took two episodes yeah. to do that and if yeah. they had squashed it into one episode I think it would have been a great first episode table setter right. set the stakes get everybody together but instead we've now stretched it out yeah and it feels like a lot of throat clearing yeah I I, I enjoyed it I at some point like was looking at the clock which I know sounds like it's not a compliment but I was thinking Wow, they're they're just going to hold out, aren't they? They're really like giving us some antiseed, and they're just going to make us wait for the action. But I also, I'm not really all that into action, even though Game of Thrones has done some done some really great battle scenes. So like, I'm just going to be battling from now on, and I don't really want that. This is why I liked the episode because my rule, my personal rule of Game of Thrones is I like when people are in rooms talking to each other and Mm -hmm. I don't like when when there's like a battle or dragons or like some sort of supernatural force is happening. So this was so many people in rooms talking, Mm -hmm. which is great. But I I agree. I feel like this now they're like, okay, we got the talking out of the way. Yeah. Let's Bring just have on the like blood. Seventy hours of battle. <laughs> <laughs> Give me seven thousand buckets of Kensington Gore, please. <laughs> All right, let's talk about what happened this episode. We start, of course, with Sir Jamie against a panel of haters, <laughs> fighting for his life, but kind of not fighting that much. Like he wasn't really, you know, giving it the gift of the gab. He was just like, "Come on, bring it," because like I'm here. I've come. We're all going to die anyway. Will I die at your hand or are you going to let me fight for you? Um, did you? What did you think of that initial confrontation, Rachel? I felt like 
It was very much a low lights reel for Jamie, where he's finally reckoning with everything horrible that he's ever done. But at the same time, even though Danny was on a sadistic trip about everything her and her brother had imagined for him, it was kind of clear they weren't actually going to kill him. He hadn't even we hadn't even seen him met like meet Bran yet, and I was yeah. like, we've been waiting for that yeah. since that last parting shot. So it was clear they weren't going to murder him, but. When Brienne stepped in, I will admit, I was like, oh, my God, they're back together. Yes. I think we had the same response to that. It was this episode in a way, if it had a theme, it was all about transformations and how people have changed in those all of the episodes that we've sat through. I guess that was episode 69. And yeah, Jamie's transformation is very clear and definitely positive, but it wasn't clear that he was going to get a chance to kind of live out his transformation or, or did you have any doubt that he was gonna survive the Sansa and Danny double no, down please I had no doubt <laughs> they're not gonna just cut him off at the beginning of the season they don't do that anymore you know they, the the Ned Stark beheading stuff that made Game of Thrones mm. so surprising and shocking and new feeling they sort of have stopped that once they abandon the books I mean that's what George R.R. Martin yeah. was amazing at things like the Red Wedding they don't really do that anymore. Now they've gone back to really traditional storytelling, and it's it's sad, actually. I mean, I find it much weaker. Yeah. Jamie has now become the best person in Westeros, I think. If you sort of just give him a pass on everything that happened before, <laughs> yeah. just forget about that. Shove that to the side. Look at what kind of guy he is now. He's an incredible person. He like he just looks to how he can help everyone and advise them and bring out the best in them and compliment, you know, the, the the greatest aspects of their personalities. He just wants to help. He has no thirst for power. He's just there to like help everybody else. He's like a terrific person now. Yeah, and he stopped doing the frosted tips, and that's always the sign that people are really, really good. <laughs> I remember when you stopped that, June. Yeah, I, was like, I know. I and know. I, it really yeah. corresponded with the shift in your personality. It's true. It's true. I know, <laughs> completely. All right. So the other thing that happened in that initial, like, you know, whatever it was, sesh with Jamie, was that Danny kind of got ignored. You know, Brianna, as you say, like, sticks up for Jamie. Sansa's like, okay, if, if Brianna testifies for you, you got to be okay. And then John's like, yeah, whatevs. And Danny like left that room with a total fury because basically they kind of ignored her. They didn't even ask if it was okay with her. Like Danny is really getting to be at the end of her rope, right? I was extremely pleased by that scene because Danny annoys me mm. on a very deep level, mm. and I was very happy to see her power kind of usurped in that mm. way. Mm. But I think that this is building up to a moment in which that tension's gonna blow up in the least opportune moment. Interesting. The tension between Danny and... Sansa and Danny and John. Oh, yeah. The Starks against... Well, they each have so many commonalities, don't they? They're two Targaryens, two Starks, kind of. Mm, yeah, complicated. I agree with you that the, the tension is building. And I felt like that, that scene was less about, like, how do we feel about Jamie and more about how do we feel about e- each other? And, and John was so in his head about realizing that Danny is his mm. aunt, that that he was, you know, he was barely even able to focus on the issue at hand. And I think Sansa is so focused on what's happening between Danny and John that she's everything is through that lens. And so they're they it was Jamie was just sort of an object with which they could express their feeling, their complicated feelings towards each other. I think you're wrong about Sansa. Sansa is just purely, entirely and solely worried about the fate of the North. She's selfless. Mm. She's not she has got no jealousy. No, okay, she totally does. <laughs> Yeah. You don't think she cares about John's heart? Uh, yeah, 
as she cares, but actually as a northerner who just gets so wound up every time somebody says the king in the north, which of course they're not saying anymore. I'm like, yes, whatever northern like sentiment we can have. And I need to stress British northern sentiment. Um, I'm always I'm always there for it. But yeah. OK, so we leave that sad little room. And then we are with the first case of flirtation. And I think the only successful case of flirtation this episode, which was Arya and Gendry, who, again, it's it's a fated <laughs> coupling. Um, but the way that she um, kind of got his attention by throwing whatever those things were, arrows, axes. They were dragon glass. Dragon glass. Like Arrow daggers. Tips. Yeah, 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 tips. <laughs> Just the tip. Um, <laughs> the frosted tip. It's uh, <laughs> the frosted tip. She certainly converted Gendry and like just made him realize, okay, I guess things have happened. But she never says what's happened. Of course, she can't. But it that was that was kind of hot. That was like the hottest thing in the show for me was was Arya throwing the whatever they were. And then Gendry's like, whoa, girl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got his interest. Yeah, okay. Jamie goes to see Bran, mm. apologizes again. Bran totally transformed. What did we make of that conversation? Um, it was in line with pretty much every Bran conversation where you're just like, what is going on? Yeah. Who? They were, he's like, I'm not Bran anymore. And Jamie's like, who are you then? <laughs> who am I speaking to? Right. Like, what am I supposed to make of this? But he just, I don't know. There was a scene later where he admits that he doesn't know everything and I'm like what is the point of all this shtick if he does not know the most important thing in this entire conversation yeah. because he doesn't know how to kill like the Night King and I'm right. like I'm tired of Bran yeah well I would have liked him to, to answer he's like I'm something else now I would have liked him to answer by laying out in great detail what he can do and can't do and what his powers are <laughs> yep. what they derive from what, how they should refer to him yep. because I don't understand those things yep. it would have been nice to have them just laid out very clearly for yeah. me yeah yeah because it's not like they were short, like they had to squeeze in a lot of action so we couldn't have any more talking. So, yeah, I think mm-hmm. that would have Just been much appreciated. A lot of meaningful stares. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So then I guess we get into Tyrion and Jamie. Tyrion, a little bit doing some self-aggrandizing, say that he made a mistake common to clever people, uh, which was underestimate. Like, yeah, that's actually what dumb people do. Like, I didn't get that at all. Was that was was he being self-deprecating while appearing to be self-aggrandizing? Like I didn't really. I guess the big question here is: Is Tyrion completely out of his depth? Does he actually know what's going on? Not clear. A lot of people keep talking about him being clever, which is generally a sure sign of like we're supposed to doubt that. I don't, I don't know what his character is anymore. Yeah, I mean, Who is Tyrion? He, yeah. He's not at all the, the, the person that we met throughout, you know, in the books. Or right. He's no longer like, you know, swinging around. A fun horror monger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He still likes his wine. But uh, he's not particularly smart or cunning. He he doesn't like seem to manipulate situations to his advantage. What What is he? He's just a guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's just a guy who's been put in a position of power. He doesn't really seem to know any more than anybody else. Yeah. He's got a cute piece of jewelry. That's about <laughs> That might it, be really. taken away from yeah, him exactly. soon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although I did feel bad since like the two people who were like – dangled as the people who might take it from him, Sejora and Varys. Like, Varys, talk about somebody who has become so boring. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why that guy's even still alive. I've always liked that character, but, like, he has had nothing to do for seasons now, He's the, it seems. He can be the butt of testicle jokes. That's yeah, what, that's all, right. That's the only thing he gets used for now. That's basically. exactly right. That's his purpose. 
Um, a little bit later, we do get the really cool scene between Sansa and Theon. Like Sansa, of course, has that scene with Danny, which I don't think we even need to talk about because it's so damn dull. Mm. Uh, but Sansa and Theon, that was like the most sort of touching reunion of any of them, just at least openly. Um, and that surprised me because I know like last week it felt like we were being denied a lot of touching reunions because they can't all be the most touching reunion. But to have it held out and be Sansa and Theon did surprise me. And that was genuinely touching. And they seemed to genuinely crave each other's company. I sort of forgot what sort of penance Theon had done such that Sansa immediately forgave all the absolutely terrible things Theon had done. Right. It was just immediate, like, oh, oh, great, yeah. hug you. Had I can't remember. Maybe you can help me. But had he done something for her that made her feel that way? He, he allowed her to escape, right? Yeah, he helped her escape from Ramsay, but I was also racking my brain during that scene, just like, when did they separate? Why is she so happy to see him? Like, it was very touching, but I was mm-hmm. like, what happened before this? Because mm-hmm. I cannot remember what caused them to be parted for this reunion. But I think he did save her, which is, I think, why John didn't kill him when mm-hmm. they went north, because mm-hmm. he said that he saved Sansa. I honestly don't remember what happened before that in their storyline. Yeah, it's weird that we got no help with that either. Like, we got this really heavy-handed The Things We Do For Love reference right at the the end of the previously on Game of Thrones and that that led us to, I guess, explain something with Jamie and Bran that I don't think anybody needed explaining. No. But then that, which clearly has us all, because what you described is exactly what my mind was doing during that. And yet we got no help with that. So that... That did feel strange. I think what I concluded um, was that this is one of the rare cases where two people know what each other went through. They understand their suffering and what they've experienced in a way that so that they don't have to say it out loud and kind of re-traumatize themselves. Because so many people, like I'm always thinking that with Arya of like there's this you know, these immense traumas that she's gone through that she can't tell anyone or she doesn't want to or whatever. Whereas at least for Sansa and Theon, they they know what they've suffered. It's like the World War II vets of the VFW. They yeah. just don't need to say it. We all yeah. know what we've been through. We just understand each other and we feel comfortable here yeah. in each other's presence. Yeah. And they also know that they like they weren't the biggest heroes. They weren't they weren't able to escape these terrible things that happened, they just had to go through them. But yeah, they came out on the other end, at least for a couple more hours, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? So yeah, because they like the way that they were sitting together, like eating soup. Yeah. Also, was that supposed to be romantic? I couldn't tell the way they they, they were looking at each other. Yeah. I can't tell what's supposed to be platonic or romantic anymore. They're yeah. just like everyone's friends. Everyone's also having sex with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Theon is damaged. That is true, but He's so is damaged. um. Grey Worm and him and Missandei seem to be chugging yeah. along just fine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Although it's a different kind of damage. Right? I mean, because we know that Theon doesn't have a penis. Does he still have his testicles? Like, Guys, I meant, I meant emotionally damaged. <laughs> I don't know why you immediately went there. But it was the most obvious like, conclusion. <laughs> yeah. I meant more like he was tortured you know, oh, for, oh, for a long oh, period of time. Okay. And he's mm. extremely, I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> 
gets extremely traumatized by that is that, you know, maybe Sans is the kind of person now who needs to rescue someone and have mm. that kind of relationship. Like a rescue dog. Speaking of which, did you notice, like, I've, I was so angry that of all these reunions, there was fucking ghosts. Ghost just, just, in, I know, the ghost just in the background. Yeah. I was just like, we're just not going to mention that he's there. Yeah, What's happening here? Was, I agree. Yeah. That was a Shonda. That was ridiculous. <laughs> I was appalled by that lack of of respect for one of the last two direwolves and as far as anyone know. knows the last of the direwolves Go- they should have been a scene where, where Ghost loses his virginity <laughs> on the last night before he the world ends he finds Nymeria oh my god I would have been so there for that maybe that's the final scene <laughs> actually I gotta gotta admit that in the Game of Thrones pool that we're doing so that was my like it's the last scene is Nymeria <laughs> and Ghost going off together but now I guess Ghost won't survive who knows right and then another reunion my my God, I feel exhausted just saying this. Another reunion. This time, Brienne of Tarth and Jamie get to have like a convo. He's not. She's not just saving him. They're actually gonna like you know talk. Mm-hmm. Which God, like it's always a mistake to talk to people. <laughs> and she doesn't want really. No, to, she's just no. like we get it. I yeah. don't need you to spell it out for me. Yeah, and then also like which I you know it's it's I guess human of like when they do talk and he's being sincere, she doesn't actually enjoy it. And so she's like, why are you not mocking me? And he's like, do you want that? And she's like, no. But at the same time, like, I get that. Like, that's their that's their thing. That's their vibe. And when you don't get that vibe, you're sort of, who the hell are you? Mm-hmm. And I kind of missed it. Well, she's also, she's just not like a, a, a touchy-feely person who wants to have these, like, gushy yeah. sorts of conversations. She yeah. wants to have, like... The banter. Yeah. That's what she's about. Yeah. Yeah. She secretly loves. <laughs> Plus, probably, like, she'd had a lot of time without him. She probably thought of the best zinger, like, <laughs> Esperidi <laughs> Battlefield. Yes. And now she's like, come on, give me something to zing on. And he, you know, he refuses. She has the best jokes about one hands, and she can't even use any of them because <laughs> she's being sincere. Exactly. <laughs> I would be so upset. You've taken this away from me <laughs> by being nice. Exactly. She's bummed. Right. Exactly. She's got like the world's best one-handed joke, and we're not even getting it. Oh, then there's a scene with Danny and Tyrion, where I believe Danny says out loud, "I don't even know. Actually, I don't know which one of it was." Families are complicated. And I was like, really? You're just getting that now? In season eight? Like, come on. Your brother sold you off. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know, to Khal Drago and, and, and then had, you know, had his head melted. Yeah. And yeah. And yeah. She should. She of all people. Yeah. Yeah, they are, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's before she knows John's mm. true parentage. Yes. And then she gets in with, with Sansa and tries to, like, have a girl-to-girl conversation and remember that you know, Danny knows how to have girl-to-girl, you know, bonding. She knows how to touch a forearm. She does. <laughs> she does. She knows how to meaningfully touch a forearm while looking in someone's eyes. Mm-hmm. She, she, she was taught by the best. But Sansa um, wasn't really having it. No. I mean, th- for a while, there was like, they, they kind of moved a little bit. You know, Sansa was forgiving. But then Danny, of course, she, like she can't read a room. No. I feel like the entire time Danny was like, we're going to be friends based on personal things. And Sansa's like, the reason we're here in this room is because there's a weird power dynamic. And if we survive this, we're going to have to address this. And you touching my hand is not going to like do anything for me yeah. in the bigger picture. And Danny's like, why aren't you kneeling? And Sansa's <laughs> like, what about the North? Which, you know, fair enough. That's what I think. What about the North? What about the North? But... It's like neither Danny has no comprehension of what anybody 
needs to hear or wants to hear are just like in personal interaction. But June, Sansa worrying about the fate of the North after all this ends, to me, is sort of beside the point. I mean, yeah. they're, they're against all odds here, to quote Phil Collins. And they and they <laughs> need, like, the, they aren't going to survive, probably. And so to be focused on how we're going to divvy up the spoils after this non-existent victory, to me, is, is a little bit beyond the point. Let's just, let's set that aside for now. Maybe like a quick aside, like, we'll need to talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. Let's put a pin in it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Although, some Somebody else said that, like, who was it who was talking with Jamie? Like, if after we vanquish the dead, after we vanquish Cersei, what then? And the person was like, yeah. Uh, (laughs) 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 Yeah, let's cross that particular battlefield uh, when the time comes. We had then Gilly. I don't know how many scenes she's going to get this season. We had like a little bit of gilly like moments. They're really just reminding us of everyone who's still alive, right. just so that when right. they die, we're not like, oh yeah, they were there, weren't they? Yeah. Like yeah. that scene with the little kid who reminded Davos of Shireen. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is touching, but also this is so transparent. And you being like, remember that he's a good person. Remember that he's here. Remember like why you are attached in. to this person. Exactly. And it's just like, I don't have the emotional range to yeah. care about all these people. Yeah. Well, then, though, that we got that really bizarre scene. Well, bizarre. I mean, it was obviously supposed to be the comedy of the episode when Tormund and Beric and all of those and, you know, whatever that guy's called, Doleful Ed return from, you know, the the limb art exhibition. (laughs) And they kind of get into it with with Tormund. Well, of course, he has to do his bit of, well, big woman's still here, you know, like, yeah, like, we get it. That to me is like the fan service where, like, they've realized that people enjoy that. But then they just have to hit it every single time he appears. And they've not thought of a new line. I think he said that exact line a thousand times. Yes. He should have a new name for her that he's come up with in his copious time to think about it. (laughs) Exactly. But eventually, eventually, we get to what has got to be the most dramatic situation you could probably put a bunch of well-loved characters in. Just sitting around a fire in a big empty room drinking mediocre wine and like, so who's got something to say? And then Tormund brings out his bizarre story about uh, having been suckled for however many months by a giant. Like, good story, bro. (laughs) The entire time I was watching that scene, I was just like, what? is happening is this real life like why is this happening in this show right now why do we need to hear this story about why Tormund got his name it was just a very surreal scene yeah and I felt like it was supposed to be like extremely funny and I was it was really absurd it was just yeah it was bizarre it was like why why are you telling me this bro (laughs) I don't know I'll push back on that all right I thought it was an okay monologue I feel like a lot of times they do, they they haven't been giving like fun monologues. People people just are sort of like reiterating what's happening in the show yeah, and yeah. reminding you yeah. of like past stuff that you already knew about and like and, and just like sort of like hitting their marks. And I kind of enjoyed an out of the blue monologue <laughs> that was a little <laughs> absurd. And the visual image was maybe not something I needed to have implanted yeah, yeah, in my yeah, brain yeah. of yeah. torment. Was this a a young small torment or he was, was this 10. a a ten-year-old torment yeah. suckling yeah. at that. So he was big enough to kill a giant. <laughs> yeah, that it didn't really make sense. No, exactly. <laughs> How exactly. did you kill a giant? But also, you're. Yeah. I have many questions yeah, that which, were not answered by that monologue. Yeah, but I'll like be a little bit Sansa and go like, okay, I'll, I'll go part way down your road, Seth, and say, okay, 
this this whole episode was supposed to be it's our last night on earth let's so the idea that if you are not one of the few people who gets to like be with their soulmate doing whatever it is that you want to do with them then you're going to do what people do which is like just relive happy or weird or memories or show off or entertain each other sure but like did Tyrion not have anything to say did Dabo like Right. You know, like the, that like, was the only story that anybody got in. They wanted was, to add dimensionality to, yeah. to, to Tormund's character, right? They gave him more backstory. Right. Probably because he's going to die. So yeah. they want you to care more about him, I yeah. guess. But yeah. it is true that it's an interesting choice of like this limited final season screen time. That's the guy they decided to en- right. enrich his backstory. Right. That oh, was and on Patrick's backstory because now he can sing. I know. <laughs> we know that he can woo the ladies. Remember, mm-hmm, he got mm-hmm. good reviews from some. Um, uh, sex workers the, ladies of the night sex workers yeah, yeah sex workers yes. in the previous season and obviously we also know that his sword work is much mm-hmm. improved so yeah it's another transformation so he's so definitely gonna die yeah exactly <laughs> he's quite the swordsman <laughs> there was another sort of interaction that I neglected to mention and that was Boring Bran you know when they were all around the strategy table which loved that like I think that's going to be the next must-have accessory, interior design-wise. Yeah, map (laughs) table with like summoned forces of you know the dead, little models you can move move around. Yes, I want one of those. Yeah, (laughs) you have one of those in your house too, and I remember when I visited. That's right. Yeah, it's mostly models of cats. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) This is the Duke of Wellington. This is Ghost. This is Nymeria. That's what I do. Some uh, wargaming every night. Uh Sure. Uh huh. Um, But. They talk about their strategy because they know they can't beat the dead. They've got no feelings. They've got no tiredness. They've got no, you know. What is dead? Yeah. Can never die. But there's one, you know, weakness, the Night King. And so they come up with this surely fantastic plan to lure the Night King, who will come on his own, obviously, obviously, to the God's Wood by baiting him with Bran who, of course, is going to be, you know, protected by Theon, so nothing could go wrong there. <laughs> and it's the area of the castle with, like, no armaments. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. The, it's the religious sept, basically. Yeah. Just <laughs> a big no tree. armaments. Yeah. Cute tree, though. <laughs> Very cool tree. Yeah. Well, they had to create, what is the Night King's mission? Like, what is he trying to do? They had to create some kind of, like, focal point yeah. so that you know this is where, what he's trying to accomplish. He's not just trying mm-hmm. to level Winterfell, like, raise it. Yeah. He's, he, he has to accomplish this a particular thing that yeah, kind of creates yeah, yeah, yeah. a focal point for the battle. So I think that's why they did that. Yeah. But then that also, it sort of raises the question of like, what is the Night King's goal here? What is he trying to do other than just destroy everything? Is right. that all he's trying to do? Right. He's, he's not just trying to like destroy the land. He's just trying to destroy the memories of humankind. Right. Now he's trying to erase humankind's very like cultural, yeah. <laughs> shared cultural heritage. Patrimony. Or something like that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It, and it, made, it made me wonder. So, what is the Night King's like thirst for power? What is it? What does he want? How will he rule if he does win? Mm-hmm. What is his mission? But then I was like, well, what is the mission of of any of these? Right. Boys? Exactly. If Cersei won, yeah. would I mean, her government look that much different than the Night King's government? She just has no like vision for governance. Like, like I guess you know. And Danny, it's mostly just revenge and some sort of exactly. entitlement. Exactly. Although she t- she talks a good game about liberation. Right, and, right, right. But, but she but, wasn't very good at ruling, though. No, <laughs> it, but yeah, I mean, that's it is this essential, you know, on the one hand, on the other, because 
you know, Bran makes a good point that, yeah, if the Night King is out for him because he wants to destroy the memories of man, of humanity, like the only thing we truly know about the Night King, I guess, is that it was created by the children of the forest mm-hmm. who are also driven kind of by revenge, right? Yeah. But like if so, OK, getting rid of memories, getting rid of the thing that is precious to humans is like, yeah, OK, but sure, I buy it. Okay. But every, yeah, as you say, Seth, everybody in this show is driven by memory, whether it's like the honour of their house, which is all about memory and things that happened in the past. That's basically all of them. And that, those, that is like the flaw of humankind is these these weird things we created that and but so maybe the night is like just a return to nature mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. i can kind of get behind <laughs> maybe the night king makes the trains run on time mm-hmm. you know maybe <laughs> if the night king can fix the subways yeah i'll vote for it <laughs> once the night king gets rid of uh, all human memory the sewers are going great <laughs> everything's just perfect right. <laughs> i just yeah. i feel like they this is this big bad guy and we don't know why he's doing what he's doing and they're just like we should we should let the people know why he's trying to kill Bran. Yeah. And I still don't know why he's trying to right. kill Bran. Right. But I also love that he has casually been like, yeah, I've been dropping like GPS pins. <laughs> he knows exactly where I am every single time. I'm right. just here. He He's coming towards me. Right. And they're just, no one says anything. They're like, what? So you're just a liability? Like, okay, You cool. couldn't have mentioned that before? Yeah, exactly. We could have just put you over there. <laughs> exactly. We could have got rid of you months ago. Just, so why don't we just send you to the north? Exactly. <laughs> Problem. So and uh, this does raise another one of my like logistical outrages, which is if you look at the map and you know that it takes a month to ride by horse from from, you know, King's Landing up to Winterfell. And then you look at how close Winterfell is to the wall. They should have been there like seven days ago. <laughs> There's no way it would take that long to get there. It's like a minute. It's not that far. You know, the thing is, the dead have no, like, speed variation. There, it's like it's a true. fixie, you know, like you... Well, I actually don't know how bikes work. It's not at all. No, not at all like, like a fixie. That, but, but it's they, like... They move at a constant rate of motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they don't like, oh, I'm really driven now. They're just they're just they're always spare. at the same level yeah. of motivation. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, yeah. everyone keeps mentioning the crypt as the safest place. Yes. And I really feel like... You doubt? Yeah. Like you question like, safety? They keep saying, and I'm like, you're surrounded by dead people. Yeah. <laughs> but Scary. You're fighting a guy who can raise the dead. I really feel like we're going to see like Ned Stark come back. Oh, wow. Yes. It's their panic room. Right? <laughs> the crypt is the panic room. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah. all these people are going to die. You're going to put all the vulnerable people in the crypt, and I think they're all going to get killed. The call wow. is coming from inside the crypt. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yes. Wow. Don't go my... down to the basement. Mm-hmm. That's the number one rule of any horror movies. Don't go down to the basement. And then they go down. You're totally right yeah. that Leanna Stark is going to come to life yeah. and start slaying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would she slay her own son, though? And I mean, she yeah. did. She did. She ain't got no feelings. <laughs> That's right. She's only got one speed and one motivation. Death. Oh, I wish those dead direwolves were in there. Actually, there is a direwolf in there, right? I'm sure I saw one. Oh, well, okay. All right. What the hell is left? Liana Mormon. Whatever. Lady Mormont. Yeah, Mormont. <laughs> Little Lady Mormont. Little Lady Mormont. She was arguing with Sejora, like, I want to, like, that was this weird thing, this episode of, like, all these kids wanting to go fight. Mm. Like, that was just a bit. Underbite Mormont, I call her. Yeah. <laughs> Love her. <laughs> She's the best. She's the best. I hope, she, I would like her to live. Actually, her death might hurt me yeah. more than almost any other time. Mm. All right. The thing that I guess, no, it was, it moved me. I won't pretend to have a heart of stone because I have a heart, heart of, of like, I don't know. Dragon glass. Dragon glass, yeah. <laughs> and that was, so we're, we're still there. We're still sitting around that fireplace. And, you know, Tormund's like, 
you're not a knight. You're you're a lady. You're not <laughs> sir. And she's like, yeah, no, women can't be knights. And he's like, fuck tradition. And Feminist then bro torment. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, er torment. And then um, Jamie completes his you know tour de to personality. <laughs> And knights Brienne. In a very moving ceremony. It actually was. And when she smiled, was that the first time that Brienne has ever smiled? I really feel like it was. And I was just like, wow, maybe this episode was worth it. All this table setting for Brienne to be knighted. But I also feel like that means she's going to die. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, she's definitely going to (laughs) die. She's definitely dying. Her smile lit up the screen. Can can I say this? But but I just want to talk a little bit about the practicalities of the knighting. Because Jamie says, oh, you don't need royalty to knight you. Any knight can knight another knight, which right. I think was new information. <laughs> I think that was like suddenly created for this episode and is ridiculous. That makes <laughs> that makes no sense at all that a knight can knight another knight because mm-hmm. then what? It just doesn't make sense. It also, like if that is true, like Elton John is a knight. <laughs> think how many people Elton John would right. have knighted right. by now if right. a knight could knight right. another knight. Right. He would have knighted a lot of can people. Can a dame dame a dame? It's like, Maybe that's how all those dames get to be dame. They all just dame each other when they go to tea. <laughs> They're like tea with the dames. Like, I want to be dame. Judy yeah, Dance is just like, poof, you're yeah. dame, Rachel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Dame Rachel. Captain. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right, yeah. Um, okay, so that happened. Oh, wait, I also forgot to mention Arya and Gendry getting it on. They got it on. And mm-hmm. he sees her scars and he, you know, there's a little bit of banter, a little bit of rumpy. How did you feel about... Seeing Arya in that way, she still feels so young to me. I I still think of her as being so because she's got a very young face. She does, and and when she first came on the show, she was genuinely incredibly young. Yeah, yeah. she is twenty two years old, so I guess it's you know, in the actress is twenty two years old, so I guess it's valid. Yeah, yeah. I personally felt very awkward seeing her side boob. Yeah, I'll say because (laughs) she just like I think of her as being like fourteen years old. Yeah, a lot of people said that. Yeah. yeah, I felt similarly, but I was also theoretically she's eighteen within the show, which I don't understand how time works yeah. in Game of Thrones. No she was eleven when the show started, and there's eight seasons. I guess mm. it makes sense, but mm. like they don't. The not seasons every- don't correspond to calendar. Yeah, yeah no, so I'm, I'm just like the maybe they're like year. I don't know how it works, but she's theoretically eighteen, so I'm like, all right, sure, whatever. Like it was one of the least weird sex scenes to happen on Game of Thrones, True. and then I was like, it was entirely consensual. Like she let it herself, like whatever. I was like, go girl. But there was a moment where I was like, how old is she? Yeah. How old is he? Yeah. Yes. What is the legal age of consent in Westeros? Yeah. You know, I don't think there is one. So this <laughs> no. is a better scenario. There's, not, there. a, there's yeah. not a lot of consent in general. Yeah. Exactly. So this, yes, you're right. This was definitely better, probably a lot better than the average virginity losing. Exactly. Scene. Yeah, it was yeah. much better than Danny's, for example, right. in the yes. first season. Yes. So yes. I was just like, you know what? Arya had the best last night vibe. She was like, I'm not going to die a virgin. All yeah. right. So yeah. although, why didn't you pick Podrick? Yeah. We've all heard yeah. about. Because <laughs> so she's got because the heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah, right. she and wants Gen- Gendry. She right. wants Gendry, and he's in that forge like, <laughs> yeah. sheen of sweat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can Plus, see it. She, I mean, it's very practical. She's going to need a lot of dragon glass, and he's mm. the man who can supply her with it. <laughs> that so. Is so, oh, you think it was just purely no. a transactional? <laughs> I think you know, there's just a little bit of transactional. You know, I mean, there's no actual chemistry, but in the mm. show, we're supposed to think there's chemistry. And also, it is fated, just like as far as, you know, in the first episode, 
Robert Baratheon trying to wed mm. his man to right. his son to so that that would be a Baratheon Stark, Stark coupling. Right. Yeah. Right. No, it gets complicated. I will also say, like in terms of practicality, if you're trying to get ready for a battle the next day, it looked like she was sleeping quite well exactly. in that, that post coital well, scene. He was. I think she oh, uh, had she, her eyes oh, open. She had like, her yeah. doubts. Oh, maybe I missed that. But, well, but that, it seems like a good idea. Like yeah. I need a really good rest. Yeah. Let's just yeah. knock yeah. one out here, and then like I'll sleep really well and be ready for battle. Certainly better than the guys around the fireplace they're going to be so hungover I and know. depleted when the battle for like the world begins that may, I I disapprove of that I behavior <laughs> I have to say if they're defending humankind against this oncoming threat and you're just going to get super drunk and wait like I, then bore yourselves to death responsibility <laughs> oh and God, stay up all night and that's why Brienne tried to stop him yeah. she was like half a cup Patrick and Tyrion's <laughs> like hmm. No. <laughs> Overflowing. Overflowing yeah. it was. God, that man's bad. All right, final scene. Final scene of the show before we get, you know, the Night King's steed's very nicely turned ankles <laughs> was finally we have to hear, hear for the third time, I guess, the story of John's parentage uh, when he tells Danny and Danny's first response is, wait, wait, you outrank me. You're, you're. Yes. And, that, and, 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 you know, quite rightly saying, well, where did this information come? False news, fake news, because, it, you know, the word comes from your brother and your best pal, which, you know, reasonable response. But also we see like she is a monomaniacal. Yes. That was a very inter- interesting reaction on Danny's part because her reaction was not, wait, I'm your aunt. Right. So we can't have sex anymore. Yeah. Like this, this budding romance is going to be nipped. Her reaction immediately was, oh, you are in line. You are a possible. Heir. I wrote in my notes throne not bone <laughs> that's where her mind went <laughs> and thank you for listening we'll I feel like that's Danny in a nutshell yeah, though right, she's just right. like I have feelings until you get in my way of getting to the throne yeah I, this has been a nice fling but uh, okay yeah, yeah she's like time <laughs> to have you accidentally die in this battle yeah. sorry but also he she should be like well you did touch my dragons the dragons like right. you yeah. they haven't liked anyone else like uh-huh. if she thought about it for five minutes she would be like you know what probably true yeah. but yeah. she's not oh, trying to deal with that that's like when that. the potential no. boyfriend comes over and your dog likes mm-hmm. it yeah, yeah exactly like, oh, the, Good yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're related. <laughs> Whereas, you know, probably the dog would go bonkers if Tormund came to the door. You know, you'd be like, ah, uh, no, no. Get out. <laughs> right. And then the end now we're just like an anticipation for battle, 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 battle for the next four weeks, yeah. I guess. My th- my feeling is that it's it's not as fun for me in t- in terms of like the relationships and the conflicts. It's not as fun for me. So we, I feel like for all this time, we have been in like the Democratic primary where they've all been fighting each other, and it's yeah. been very fun and catty and like and like, and they, and now here's this existential right. threat, and they have to band together. And it's the we're moving to the general election mm. now, where this is this big threat out there that mm. we have to unite and get behind each other, even if we have these disagreements. Okay, put them aside. Everybody's got to do our part against. The Night King now. Mm-hmm. And I get that. And it's important, mm-hmm. but it's not nearly as fun. Right, right. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be dragon fire, dragon glass, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, no scheming. You don't scheme right. against the Night King. You right. don't like right. sort of manipulate his emotions. He doesn't really have emotions. Yeah. I guess. Well, I guess his emotion is he wants Bran, maybe. Yeah. So you can manipulate that. But like, yeah. it's not the same as trying to defeat Cersei, which right. is much more fun. Right. And you can play upon her like weaknesses and vanities. It's yeah. just, it's just yeah. some big bad. All right. Well, then we. It's the time in the show where we come to. You're the worst shit in the Seven Kingdoms. 
plenty worse than me. The decision over who is the worst person in Westeros. Now, Rachel, you already had this discussion in the pages of Slate with Ingu Kang, and you decided who was the worst person in Westeros this week. The worst person in Westeros goes to two people and is these two little girls who, um, so Miss and Day, there's a scene between Miss and Day and Grey Worm where they are talking about what happens after the battle and Grey Worm's like, oh, like once I defeat all of Khaleesi's enemies, we can go to a beach somewhere. And I'm like, you about to die. <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever. But so before that, Miss and Day goes and tries to talk to these little girls in Winterfell who are eating soup and they just look at her and then walk away. And I'm like, there is a literal army of the dead walking towards you and you still have time to be racist? What is this? You know, but those walkers are white. So I, like, you know you what? Know. You're right. They you have know. more in common than with Miss and Day and Grey Worm who are trying to defend you. I was just like, this is, I know that we're supposed to be like, oh, it's xenophobic because they don't like mm-hmm. Danny or whatever. They're but very I'm like, parochial. Winterfell yeah. is very parochial. <laughs> yeah. I just, I feel like they've heard of people who are not white and yeah. they can deal with their bullshit for like a moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. Well, also, like, Missandei is one of those characters who is, yes, very, very beautiful and, and has a lovely story. But, like, like me, she's so perfect. Her only imperfection is that she's so perfect. <laughs> and, like, like, how can anybody like Missandei except little racist <laughs> exactly. children? You exactly. Know? I'm like, she has done nothing from the beginning. There's no character flaw in her. And still these little girls are just like, you can't sit with us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like I mean, envisioning her actually deciding to stay at Winterfell and make a life there as, <laughs> if the if the battle is won and just like and then you know decades later someone's like so what's your story how did you end up in Winterfell and it's like well it's a funny thing you yeah. know life takes you weird places and yeah <laughs> the people of Winterfell came to love me mm-hmm. they got over their racism mm-hmm. it's a different Another place now <laughs> it's a different yeah. place, it's, a different place now. Now. Yeah. it's like what people say about Boston <laughs> <laughs> you know it's not like the anyway yeah. so I my worst person. Mm. in Westeros is Bran. Yeah. As it almost always is because the enigmatic stares. Yeah. Just spell it out and just uh, like what this mystique. Yeah. I'm sick of his mystique. Exactly. And And like especially if he thinks the end of the world is going like spill it bro. Crack a joke. Yeah. Lose your your virginity. Yeah. Three to three eyed ravens lost lost after. What else do you have three eyed? Four eyed ravens. Yeah right. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It really makes sense. I know. know. I'm a bit vague on male genitalia, to be honest with you. Uh, So, Bran, just because. I mean, you don't really need to say much more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just annoys me when he's on screen. Like, crack a smile, make a joke. I would love to know, is there anybody watching this show who doesn't hate Bran? I mean, the guy is unbearable. I mean, so full of himself, and, so, and 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 I feel bad for the actor, but his face. I know, I know. He's just a. It's a. I, it's it. That face is a problem for me. Yeah, I think he's a new haircut too. Um, for me, the worst person in. I mean, you're obviously Rachel. You're right, but <laughs> do, I'm gonna give it to Danny, who is also often the worst person in Westeros, but. She's so clueless. And it's like, it's it's just a mismatch between mm-hmm. supposed to be great and he's actually boring and dumb. And especially when we don't see dragons, which admittedly, too, get to be a bit like you've seen one dragon, you've seen them all. I mean, it's she, those dragons are no Nymeria is what I'm saying, I guess. <laughs> and like, you know, mm, she knows nothing and she, and she just... She's She's got no people skills. <laughs> she's terrible at people. She's yeah. like, I liberated you. I don't 
have to do anything else. Terrible yeah. bedside manner. Yeah. Like, great with dragons, mm. terrible with humans. Great winter Luke. I yeah. liked her, her <laughs> yeah. Luke. L-E-W-K. A <laughs> yes. Sure. When she showed up at winter, like, she's got a, yeah. I like that outfit. Yeah. <laughs> Although it must be hell to go to the bathroom. Like, if, if she'd had to have, like, a Arya Gendry scene where they just had to rip their clothes off quickly, like, she's going to need about three or four handmaidens to pull all those wraps off. All right, well... Slate Plus members, thank you for supporting our journalism and for listening to our Game of Thrones podcast. Somebody else will be with you next week to discuss what will surely be a massive, massive battle that might not even be the most big battle of the of the season. The pre-battle. Yeah, it's kind of a pre-battle battle. Our producer is Chow Tu. Thank you for listening. <laughs>